Hey everybody, welcome again to F This Movie, the official podcast of FThisMovie.com. Movie love for movie lovers. My name is Patrick Bromley and I'm super excited for this week's show because this is the annual wrap-up we do for the year. We do our favorite movies of 2023 and then we wrap up the year by talking about our favorite horror movies of 2023, which I thought was a good year for horror, but we will talk about that in just a second. I am joined, of course, for this very special annual episode by my horror BFF and the co-author of In Search of Darkness, possibly in stores this year, Heather Wixen. Hi, Heather. Hello, Patrick. Happy 2024. We're Happy here. We did it. 2024. We made it. We wrote a book last year holy shit we wrote a book <laughs> we did i mean this is really like longer than last year if you think about it like this is this is a big big undertaking i don't know that did you did you feel like you knew that this was going to be as much as it was when we started because i don't <laughs> <laughs> well you're writing four books at one time i just had the one to focus on yeah but still it was it was quite a bit of work like i'm i'm really proud like for those of you guys listening, we're right now in the proof stages of everything. So hopefully we'll have some updated info on, on releases and stuff, but it will be this year. Um, but, you know, this one in particular, and like, cause you know, I've done other books just felt like a very, a much bigger endeavor than <laughs> I've ever had to deal with. And I'm tired. I'm so tired. Yeah. I, <laughs> I think you. at this point I'm like, I also am like kind of like, I think I'm good on 80s horror for a bit. Like, maybe <laughs> let's watch some 90s or something. Yeah, baby, it's time for the 90s. I know, but we will definitely, like, once we get into this, like, once we get to further down the line, um, we'll definitely talk more about it. But it's it has been a journey, if you will. <laughs> and I, there's nobody I would have rather been on this journey with than you, Patrick. So thank well, you for, thank for being you. a part of it. And likewise, and thank you for doing uh, this episode with me every year, because there's nobody I'd rather talk favorite horror of the year with than you. Oh, awesome. Well, thank you. There's nobody else I would rather talk about it with either. So yay, yay for us. Okay, now that we've like got all the, 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 the touchy-feely Est each other's D's. Yes. <laughs> um we uh, you'll notice i said favorite horror of 2023 because we were just before we pressed record having a discussion about is this favorite or is this best i do not feel <laughs> qualified to make a uh an objective best horror of 2023 or an objective best of anything list because how can anyone f make an objective best of anything list this is just our favorite horror movies of the year Exactly. That's how I've always felt. Um, you know, who am I to say what's quote unquote the best? Like, what is exactly the metrics? Like, right. do you have to hit a certain percentage of scares? Like, do you like how do you even like quantify something like that? So I like favorites myself. Uh, I know it was a big controversy on Twitter uh, a week or so ago, but like honestly, like I've always preferred favorites. Yes. Um, because this is just what these ten horror movies did for me personally you know as i always put in a lot of my reviews your mileage may vary right don't kill me <laughs> i'm here to bring a little chaos this year because i will say my number one movie i don't know that it's the best horror of 2023 but it is my favorite um and i look forward to 
I'm hearing from people to see if, you know, how their li- their lists lined up and maybe catch up on some stuff I missed because I know I missed a lot. I, I saw a, a lot, but I know I missed a lot. You definitely saw a lot, possibly more than me, uh, because I feel like I like my list. I'm happy with my list. I love maybe eight of the ten. Um but I do feel like I I had to have missed some stuff or some stuff that I did see that like was really making a lot of other people's lists uh, just didn't connect with me. Yeah, I'm going to be really honest. There's probably one major release that came out this year um, that everybody's kind of been tripping over their dicks over, which is cool. I love enthusiasm. I love seeing people excited for horror. So I don't want to take anything away from that, but it didn't. It was fine for me and it didn't make my list, um, which was kind of surprising because if you would have told me at the beginning of 2023 that that would happen, I would have been shocked. Okay. I'm curious. So it was, it was it a is. surprising list. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think for me, like there was a lot of really good variety of horror that came out in 2023, both from studios, both from the indies. Um, and I, I will say you know, probably more often than not, I think it was mostly the indies that really resonated with me this year, yeah. but there was a lot, there was some really good studio stuff too. And then they'll be in there as well. Yeah. Mine's, uh, I would say mine's a mix, but it's mostly indie. I mean, to be fair, I think the last couple of years, that's really where all the good stuff is coming out of, which isn't to say that good studio horror doesn't come out. I have studio movies on this list. I have, one be studio honest, movie pretty is high number, is is number one exorcist believer come on be honest I just i'm so excited I don't want to, for the next alert. two installments that i couldn't put it anywhere but number one i skipped it i couldn't do it <laughs> i watched I, about 40 just, minutes of it and i will finish it someday just so i can check that box but it was not doing anything for me okay so i didn't miss much cool yeah yeah new um so we'll do what we always do which is uh when we list out a title if i say a title and it's higher on your list let me know so we can talk about it at its highest position okay um otherwise i think we're good to go i'm going to try to let people know where they can see most of these because the nice thing about so many of them being indies is that a lot of them are available for streaming, uh, which is kind and, of nice. And I'm guessing a, a big part, a big part of them are probably on Shutter. Shutter <laughs> uh, is great, great for indie horror. I think like or, only two or perhaps of mine they'll are. be. Oh, I was gonna say, or perhaps they'll be coming to Shutter. Oh, perhaps yes, perhaps. <laughs> uh, so Heather, you should go first. What is your number ten favorite horror movie of 2023? Okay, so <laughs> number 10 oh, no. is hard for me because like I could have put like five different movies in this slot. Yes. Um, and I wouldn't even say it's a straight-up horror movie, um, but it is a movie that I saw uncovered this year, and it is like sort of an exploitation revenge thriller. Um, and I wanted to highlight it because I just – I haven't seen a ton of people talking about it, but it's really stuck with me. Um, and I love the first movie, so um, – and this one really, I think, amped things up in a really great way for a sequel. So my number 10 is the wrath of Becky. Oh, okay. Nice. I know out of nowhere. Right. Yeah. Um, But 
I really enjoyed Becky when it came out a few years ago. I think the sequel, which was directed by Matt Angel and Suzanne Coote, um, smartly builds on the foundation of the original. The original is very straightforward. It's very serious. Kevin James is terrifying. Mm-hmm. Um, Lulu Wilson's so good. Um, this one is much, has a, a much more like darkly comedic streak to it mm-hmm. where it knows that we're kind of getting into some sort of overly exploitative type of territory, mm-hmm. but it leans into it uh, in ways that make sense. Uh, and Lulu, once again, is freaking phenomenal. Um, I really, really loved her work in this. I also, Sean William Scott also is kind of the main bad guy in this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the genre work that he's been doing lately um, is really good. And it's kind of fun seeing Stifler being these sort of menacing pre- press uh, presences um, in different genre movies. Um, and I really dug it. I thought it was really well made. Um, it's not subtle. It's not subtle about the things that it's trying to tell you. Not whatsoever. Um, Courtney Gaines is also in it too, um, who gets his comeuppance in a really fantastic way. Yeah, no spoiler. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. she's taking on neo Nazis. Um, but also, what's really great too is one of the people that appears in it. This is me channeling like my childhood. But Jill Larson is in this movie, and she was um, she was Opal on All My Children for years. Opal Cortland, she was kind of like the main character, um, like the main family of All My Children, which I loved. And she was also in The Taking of Deborah Logan. Yes, she was. Um, and she's so good in that. So I really, really dug Graphic Becky. This was sort of my my spotlight uh, part, like of my list, because I have like a bunch of other movies that I easily could have slotted into this, but I went with Becky because I really dug it. I still think about it. I saw it as part of South by Southwest slate, so we're talking almost um, a year now, and it's still wow. in the back of my head. So it's fun stuff. It is. It's super fun. It's uh, you know the first movie she's taking on neo-nazis this movie she's kind of taking on they're still neo-nazis but they're like insurrectionists right yeah kind of like advanced neo-nazi right (laughs) (laughs) neo-nazis better organized neo-nazis maybe right with spread neo-nazis with spreadsheets i guess is the best (laughs) way to put it so insurrectionists uh and that's you know again very uh satisfying if you are of a particular slant and uh Lulu Wilson is really, really great. Sean William Scott, I agree, is totally great as the villain. And and I think the movie does some things with some of the villains and some of the characters that you don't necessarily see coming when it starts, which yeah. I appreciate uh, that there's more to them than just like totally generic bad guys. Uh, it's it's really fun. Yeah, I, I really dug it. And it's it's, you know. I know it's not going to be a film for everybody, but it sure as heck was for me. And I really hope, like, I think there's probably a lot of people who are probably listening to this right now. They're like, wait, they made a sequel to that Becky <laughs> movie? Yeah. Uh, yes, they did. And it's it's great. It's streaming on Showtime if you have Paramount Plus or Apple TV with Showtime. That is correct. Yeah, I actually just okay. showed, I just saw it pop up on my Paramount, so that was cool. Nice. Yeah, um, my so number, what's your number 10? 10 is possibly higher on your list, but I don't want to fortune tell. 
Uh, I felt like I needed to put it on the list because it's the last one of these apparently we're ever going to get. And that is Scream 7. Six. It is. They didn't Whoa. make Scream 7 yet. <laughs> oh, boy, did they not. I misread my Roman uh, numerals. Uh, Scream 6 is higher on your list? It is definitely higher on my list, yes. Okay, okay. <laughs> we will talk about that when it, when it comes up again, uh, which brings us to your number nine. Oh, boy. Okay. Um, so my number nine is a movie I actually saw out of Tribeca in 2022, but it didn't formally get released until uh, this year. Um, it is called, um, oh, sorry, if anybody can tell, I've been having weird voice issues for like the last month. Uh, but the my number nine is, ooh, this is, hopefully I don't butcher this, who is Sarah, the Bone Woman? Yeah, this was on uh, my list of like, I need to see this before I make my list. And then I never did. So it is phenomenal. It's a okay. really fantastic sort of merging of sort of supernatural, like a supernatural story, body horror. Uh, it was directed by Michelle Garza Cervera, um, which I think it's her first feature film. Um, it's so good. I again, it's one of those. I, I mean, it's been well over a year since I've seen it. Um, and there's a lot of really fantastic themes in this movie that have stuck with me ever since. I think there's like the way that they sort of set up the world, um, of Valeria, who's like the main woman of it is really cool. Like she's, there's, it's not just your typical, oh, I'm pregnant and I'm cursed. Everything is terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, there's like real agency to her character and other characters in this film. It's a very female dominated story as well, which I really love. Um, there's just some really great stuff in this movie. Uh, and again, it's just, it's one of those that like, it's kind of been rattling around in my brain now for quite a while. Um, and it's kind of cool because I've seen it pop up, um, on other people's lists, you know, sort of as I've seen them on social media. And I just love that it's, it's still kind of hanging in there. Because it's definitely a film that deserves an audience. Um, I just I really, really dug it. Nice. I definitely uh, need to see it. And I'm mad that I didn't. Um, it is streaming on Shudder, apparently. So I have no excuse. You have no excuses, Patrick. None, none so whatsoever. Uh, my number nine is a real, like threw a dart at the wall and picked a number nine uh, because okay. this is the one I think to which I feel the least attachment, but also the one. And again, this is me trying to predict the future that I'm going to end up watching a bunch in the future. And that's evil dead rise, <coughs> which I that saw. Is... Oh, go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. Not on your list. It's not on my list. No, and that's totally fine because it wasn't on mine until I made this list last night. And uh, I was like, I saw it in theaters. I thought it was okay. I rewatched it on HBO. I liked it a little bit better. The 4K came out for and went on sale for like $7 or something on Amazon. So I bought it, watched it again. I was like, I, I, at some point I have to admit after watching this movie three times, I'm getting something out of this. Um and 
you know, I, I think a large part of my enjoyment of the film is I'm blanking. Um, not just Lee Cronin's direction. It's uh, Alyssa Sutherland. As she's the, awesome. She's amazing. She plays the mom, you know, so it's evil dead in an apartment building basically. And it's not particularly inventive in terms of evil dead mythology. I like that, you know, it's got an amazing opening title card. Uh, it does some fun stuff with us, like a side story, but most of it takes place in this kind of rundown apartment building. And I like that we're doing evil dead somewhere besides a cabin. Uh, that's kind of a neat idea, but really it's Alyssa Sutherland that like sells so much of the movie for me. I enjoy her performance so much. I think she gives one of these performance that, performances that becomes iconic in the span of just one movie. You're going to see people cosplaying as her. You're going to see you're going to hear her talked about as like a favorite horror character all in the span of just a single film. And I appreciate the fact that we're now four, five, six movies. Is it six? No, five movies, I guess, into Evil Dead plus a TV show. Um and they're still like interesting and entertaining, still very gory, uh, not pulling any punches when it comes to like who lives and who dies. Um, definitely more in the spirit of the Fetty Alvarez remake, I think, than the Sam Raimi originals. But that's OK. I don't need imitation Sam Raimi. I'm glad that Lee Cronin kind of takes it in his own direction. Um I just think this is a movie I'm going to revisit a lot, even though the first time I saw it, I was like, that was just okay. Gotcha. Yeah, I re I liked it a lot. I I was just kind of disconnected from it. And I do owe it a rewatch. Um, and I love how enthusiastic people are still about Evil Dead 40 some odd years later. Like, that's so freaking cool to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I wish, like, the opening is awesome. Yeah. I wish... There were certain aspects of the story in the in the hotel in the in the in the apartment building that like clicked better with me. Not to say that the, the craft isn't there, because like effects are phenomenal, camera work is great, it's the performances are good. I don't know what it was. I don't know if I was just in a weird place when I saw it. Um, but it's interesting because I have rewatched Evil Dead 2013 multiple times. Yeah. Like since that came out. And you know, now we're 10 years removed from it. I just haven't had the inkling to be like, oh, I want to go back into this yet. I'll get there. I will get there um, because I do enjoy the Evil Dead franchise. I think it is up there as one of the most consistent franchises we've got in horror. Yeah. Um, you know, it's kind of like they're like behind sort of the bigger ones of, like, you know, Child's Plate slash Chucky, you know, Scream and, and that kind of stuff. Um, so Lee Cronin definitely does a great job. Um, here, I just... I just wish it hit for me the way I was hoping it was going to hit for me when I went into it. Yeah. No, I do not blame you. I had a weirdly similar experience with Evil Dead 2013 where I saw it opening weekend and I was like, that was okay. And then I just felt drawn to it. And now I watch it and I'm like, this movie's fucking awesome. <laughs> like, I really like it. <laughs> so I can't predict that my relationship with Evil Dead Rise will be the same, but, uh, I guess I'm just trying to get out in front of my own opinion. 
I'm I'm hoping when we talk at the end, you know, for 2024, I get to say, oh, by the way, I went back and revisited Evil Dead <laughs> and guess Evil Dead Rise and guess what? I'm on board. You know, yeah. I want that. I want that. Like I'm Bill Murray at the end of Scrooge. I want that. <laughs> um, yeah, I was, I, nobody was more surprised at sort of my response to it. And again, it's, it's nothing against the film or anybody involved with the movie. I was just in a weird place, I think. Yeah, and it no, just it didn't happens. Right. Yeah, so, it absolutely. It but happens. I'm glad um, to see it here because it should be, it should be showcased somewhere. So, Thanks it's, for throwing the dart at the dartboard. It's I'm definitely sure. one of the better studio horror movies of the year when you're comparing yeah. it to things like, you know, Exorcist Believer or The Boogeyman. I think Evil Dead Rise is kind of superior. According to the site I'm looking at, it's currently on Prime and HBO Max, but it it, le- it leaves in 15 days is what this says. So watch it quickly if you what? haven't seen it yet. Why? I don't understand, like, why movies that studios put out leaves their streaming platforms like i get it if you're if you're renting it from another studio right right. like for example scream 4 just popped up on hbo max right so i get that that comes and goes right but like hbo max like you're with warner brothers like this is your movie why would you take it away it's absolute lunacy I don't know. Yeah. I, I that's a whole separate podcast that we could do. Oh where... lord, I know. Yeah. <laughs> so says the person who tried to watch Meg 2 last night and nobody had chi- uh, subtitles for the Chinese dialogue. Interesting. You have to put on the actual what? you have to put on the actual closed captioning from either Netflix or Max to be able to see that uh those translations. But apparently on Apple TV's version or Apple's version, it's on there. So I don't know. Streaming sucks. <laughs> uh, I'll blame this for the reason I still have not seen Meg two or Meg for that matter. It's fun. It's, it's silly fun. I yeah. actually bought both movies for my mom. Who's like on a huge Jason Statham kick as oh, one nice. should be. Sure. Dude, dude, seriously. We were talking about like her visit earlier, the way she would quote, things about Hobbs and Shaw while she was here is like me when I talk about Point Break. <laughs> like she was regularly making Agent Dinkler references and I was what? like, I don't know what that is. I'm yeah. not. Even... I was like, holy crap. I was like, I'm so proud of you right now. I don't know what you're talking about because I've only seen it tw- twice, but I love that you're doing this. Oh, okay. it's like it's the, I think it's the first time I actually felt like I was her kid. So <laughs> it's like, I was like, this is what I sound like. <laughs> So anyway, um, yeah, they're fun to catch up with eventually if you can. Yeah, but you know, I will. It, but you, but if you've seen a trailer, you know what the movies are, right? Right, and maybe that's why I haven't. No, it's the yeah. Chinese subtitles. That's what it is. It is. That's what's holding you back. <laughs> uh, all right, we are at your eight. All right, so my number eight uh, is a movie that I saw actually at a Sundance last year. Um, that I really, really loved. Um, and again, it's another one that's stuck with me. Um, and I was shocked to discover eventually that I was quoted on its poster, Hey, nice. which is, which is banana pants. <laughs> um, but it is birth rebirth from yes. Laura Moss. That is actually higher on my list. Nice. I like, if I didn't feel as strongly as I did about my seven, it would have been higher. Um, yeah. And also, I probably just should have rewatched it re- more recently. 
Yeah. Cause it's been a year since I've seen it. So like it was a little bit of a disconnect. Um, but I, you know, as the kids say, I'm a simp for <laughs> Judy Reyes. Um, sure. I Nurse Carla. Her so much. Oh my God. Do I love Judy Reyes? I was so happy when she was in smile last year. She really gets to like have a starring role in this. Uh, her and Myron Ireland together in this movie are phenomenal. They're back and forth. The struggles that they're both facing are so, I'm never going to be in the situation that either one of these women are in, in this movie. Um, Cause it's basically sort of this maternal Frankenstein story. Yeah. Yet I related to everything they were going through. Yeah. Um, and I think that was the power of their performances in it. Um, Brita Wool is also in it too. And she was in this movie. I saw, um, a few years ago that I really, really liked, and I'm trying to find the name of it super fast because I am terrible. Um, ultrasound, okay, which was like a sort of a sci fi film that has like this crazy, weird loop to it, which is also really good. Um, so I was really excited to see her pop up in this. Um, but yeah, that one, as I believe, is also playing on Shutter, if I'm not mistaken. Which one, Ultrasound or Birth Rebirth? Birth Rebirth, Birth Rebirth is on Shutter, yeah. Yeah, because I think they might have picked it up out of Sundance. Yeah. Um, and it's it's so good. It's so freaking good. Um, like I just I really, really loved it. And I really do hope people, um, if you haven't taken the time to go see it, it's so great. Like it really it it's it was everything I was kind of hoping for, but nothing I was expecting. Yeah. If that makes I, any kind of sense. No, absolutely. I, I knew nothing about it going in. Uh, I didn't even really know the premise. I just knew that some people I talked to had liked it and I knew you were a fan. Um, So we went the day it opened because it played at a theater near us. And within the first five minutes, I had to turn to Erica and say like, oh, I'm sorry. Because she doesn't handle like medical gore very well. Yeah. And and there's a lot of like medical gore. It's not a particularly gory movie, but there's some medical stuff in it that's hard to watch. And um, it's just, it's dark. And she just published her top 10 list and she included it on there. But she said, like, I can never watch it again. Like, I thought this movie was great. I will never see it again. Uh. So it's not for everybody, but it is really, really strong. And I'm surprised that it, I'm I'm glad it's on both of our lists. I haven't heard it talked about as much as some other titles that I think are not as strong. Yeah, I, I it's funny because like I know there's like two or three different people on Twitter that like I sort of connected with because they were talking about it when it was released and they okay. were like, Oh my god, that was phenomenal. Um, but yeah, I think it's largely sort of an underappreciated movie from last yeah. year. Yeah. So hopefully maybe some folks will discover it because of us. Cause that would be really cool. I agree. Uh, my number eight is the most recent movie I saw for this list or the most, let me, how do I phrase this? The most recent movie that's on this list. Um, I rented it. Almost lost my rental opened voodoo saw that I had three hours left to watch it. Immediately watched it, and then a week later, it appears on Tubi as a Tubi original, and that is called (laughs) Where the Devil Roams, the new film from the Addams Family. Oh my god, I haven't been able to watch that yet. I'm I'm so excited to hear you talk about it. 
it's not i didn't have the immediate reaction to it that i had to hellbender i like hellbender better not to pit the two movies against one another because where the devil roams they're trying to do something very different it's sort of about this family of carnies i don't even want to say much more about it except that it's about a family of carnival workers with some unique abilities um i'm just so excited by the adams family and what they are doing if you're not familiar with them watch this movie on tubi Go seek out Hellbender on Shudder. I still haven't seen The Deeper You Dig, but I just saw that it's also on Tubi and Prime, so I'm going to watch it this week because I'm so excited by them. They write and direct and score and write songs and act, and they do everything. Uh, Their movies are such labors of love, and they're so different and interesting from everything else that's out. Uh. The Deeper You Dig is a is a much more borderline experimental film, although Hellbender is certainly kind of it's eccentric as well. Um, but uh, I, I said The Deeper You Dig. I meant to say Where the Devil Moves. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> I, I just it, – it stuck with me in a way that surprised me because, again, the first time I watched it, I was like – I admire so much of that. I think it's so interesting. I love what they're doing, but I don't know how much I connect to it. And then in the days that followed, I was like, oh, I kind of want to rewatch that. I I want to find a way back into the movie. And it helps that it like ends with the most kick-ass song you've ever heard. So you want to watch it again just nice. to hear the song. Uh, once again, written and performed by Hellbender, the band that they are in. Um yeah, I, I just I love what they're doing. I will jump at any opportunity to put one of their movies on my list because I want them to be huge. I, I love I love saying that it's the Adams family because, you know, of the connotation that that brings. But exactly. Yeah. We're kind of like the new Adams family <laughs> in a lot of ways. So, um, yeah, they're fantastic. I love those guys so much. I love their work and I'm really excited to hear that this is on TV now because I am going to watch that this week. Yeah, you should. It's, it's, it's super different from everything else that's out right now in a good way. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I yeah. They, they, they freaking rock. Yeah. So awesome. I still haven't watched their episode of Joe Bob. I know they were on Joe Bob when he showed Hellbender, but I haven't watched it yet. Oh yeah. It's good. Yeah. I, I did watch that. Yeah. I think you're the one that told me they were on when I put Hellbender on my list last year, the year before. I don't remember. But, yeah, you had said that they were on his show. And I need to see it because I want to hear more from them. I kind of think I remember them, too, even doing a performance on on the show, too. So, definitely, yeah. Oh, shit. I think they might do something with Joe Bob, too. I can't remember. My, my, oh, my brain is so fuzzy. But, yeah, it's <laughs> so worth watching. Uh, all right. We are at your number seven. All right, so my number seven, um, you know me in slashers. I'm an easy <laughs> mark for slashers, especially yeah. ones that have comedy in them. Um, so my number seven is uh, Totally Killer from right. Nanachka Khan. As soon as you um, said actually, comedy, I was like, I know what this is. Yeah, it's kind of funny because I just realized there's actually quite a few female filmmakers that are appearing on my list, I which like is ra- rad AF. Yeah. 
um, keeping it safe. Um, yeah, <laughs> I freaking loved this movie. Um, it's one of those like sometimes when I'm watching movies with Brian, like it can be kind of hit or miss. Like a lot of times I'll sort of watch things first to know if he's going to like it or not. This one, we both went into blind, but I was like, it's a slasher with back to the future. He was like, okay, go on. Let's do this. Um, and we both like laughed so hard. Um, I really love it. Kiernan Shipka, like that. She's so great in this movie and there's a lot to her performance. Um, that she has to do like in terms of like just keeping you invested, but in different ways. I don't, I, I don't want to give too much away because sure. there are like reveals to it and everything like that. Um, but it is set around Halloween, which is cool. Um, I, I love a good slasher that's set around Halloween. Um, I love the, the, the sort of going back into the eighties, but also taking modern sensibilities and seeing how that translates. I think it makes a really good case as to why I used to be a lot harder. Like there's so many movies I grew up watching as a kid that as we say now, haven't aged well. Um, and I think for a long time, I sort of my, in my own way and it's wrong, but I would sort of hold that against them. And I've had to kind of like step back a little bit and loosen it a little bit. Like for example, as a kid, one of my very favorite movies was 16 Candles. I watched that movie probably hundreds of times. Yeah. Has it, has it quote unquote aged well? Oh, hell no. No. Um, not at all. But I've had to kind of step back and consider the time it was made, things that were going on. Does it make it right? No. But can I hold it up to the standards of today? No, I really can't because that's not where society was then. Right. Which just proved that we needed to progress. So anyway... I love how her character kind of comes in and like it's sort of this mix mash of like Gen Z versus Gen X, um, which for me, I kind of feel like I'm a Gen Z in a Gen X body <laughs> um, because it's like I constantly am going to like raves and stuff where it's like everybody could be my kids while I'm there, but I'm having a great time and like not, you know, just doing my thing. Um, so it really was like completely in my wheelhouse. Um, I also think that the the sort of the finale on the Gravitron is one of the coolest things we got to see this year in horror. Definitely. Definitely. Um, like that set piece to me is ridiculous. I love the way they pulled it off. It was phenomenally done. Um, yeah. I just, I really, really loved it. Like all the characters felt really well thought out. Nothing felt um, sort of like, or like it just, it, it all really, really worked for me. Um, yeah. So that was my, that was my number seven. I like all the I like all the gags in the movie about um she goes into a school and no one asks for ID and they just enroll her and she's like you don't need to know anything more they're like no go ahead like all the yeah. jokes about how different things used to be and how much freedom kids used to have and how much trust we put in them and you know it's obviously a commentary on how much scarier the world has gotten and how we've had to lock things down a lot more but it was a it was a good joke that they repeated several times throughout the movie that I thought was really funny. Yeah, like when I was a kid, like seriously, like I was staying home by myself at ten. Right. If if you let a kid stay home at ten these days, like child services would get called on them. Right. I, I would never dream of letting a ten year old stay home alone now. But yeah, 
it wasn't something <laughs> we I thought much about, work. right, when we were kids. Exactly. No, yeah. I saved my mom my mom money on a babysitter. It was fine. I just didn't <laughs> turn on the stove. It was good. That was it. Lock the door, don't cook anything, and you're fine. <laughs> you know, that was literally it. Uh, you know, so yes, kids, I'm old. And um, I forgot about that Gravitron sequence at the end, but you're right. That is a, a stellar set piece. Oh, it's so freaking cool, man. Yeah. I loved it. Yeah. Um, it's this yeah. is the good version of I don't want to throw another movie under the bus, but here goes. I recently watched a movie on Shudder <laughs> called It's a Wonderful Knife. And it also yeah. is sort of a time travel-y ish. <laughs> uh what if it's more of a time loopish kind of thing. well it's it's like hey what if uh, alternate I... reality yeah there we go how's that's better yeah. uh horror comedy slasher comedy it didn't totally work for me i think totally killer is the much better version of that movie i, I was honest to god i was like i i liked it's a wonderful knife a lot but it, but there were parts of it that just didn't quite click for me either. Uh, what I will say though, and this is what I loved, there's there's a real craftsmanship and geekiness to aspects of that movie. Um, for example, like one of my our favorite things to do is like, especially for the holidays, is rewatch episode the holiday episodes from Bob's Burgers. Okay. And I genuinely think, and maybe I'm totally off, Michael Kennedy, if you're listening, please let me know. Um, <laughs> I really think. Because the her aunt's names in the in the in the movie are Gail and Karen. Gail is Aunt Gail from Bob's Burgers. Okay. Karen was a character on um, Will and Grace. I think that those characters were an homage to Megan Mullally. Okay. I really do because I was sitting. I was like, wait, like the aunt's names are this, and right. like Bob's Burgers always does sort of like these disastrous. Christmas episodes where like the family kind of gets into like shenanigans and stuff. And I was like, Are you guys paying homage to Bob's Burgers? Also, in one of the opening episodes of one of the Christmas episodes from Bob's Burgers, one of the storefronts, because they always change the storefront names in the opening. One of the storefront open like opener names was like It's a Wonderful Knife. Oh, okay. And I think that I think that was like season nine or ten. Okay. Um, I'm a little geeky about my animated shows. I apologize. <laughs> um, so I was just like, it felt like this really great love letter, obviously, to a lot of Christmas classics, to a lot of horror movies. There's a really great Scream 2 nod. Uh, but it also had like these Bob's Burgers elements to it where I was like, I don't know if you're making this movie specifically for me, but it feels like it. But it just, yeah, I feel like the last 15 minutes of it didn't quite come together the way it, I felt like the rest of the movie was leading towards. Yeah. Um, so I liked it, but I didn't love it. Yeah, it's but not, I'm gonna watch it's not it again. bad. No, not at all. And it's something I'm definitely going to watch every year. Yeah. Yeah, it's nice to yeah. have a Christmas slasher. And its heart is in the right place. There was just some things that didn't, uh, I don't think worked. And I think Totally Killer does the balance better, if that makes sense. Yeah. 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 It's tough. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my number seven is the latest film from a filmmaker whose previous two movies I've really liked, who has yet to make the same movie twice, which I think is pretty awesome. And that is the new movie from Ted Gagan, Brooklyn 45. Yay, Brooklyn 45 was on my honorable mentions. I'm so glad. I, I was like, I feel like Patrick's going to talk about this one. Yeah. 
Um, and I really liked it. It's it's old timey, so I was immediately hooked. Um, but yeah, what what was like sort of your big? Uh, well, I I like that it's old timey. I like, um, I really like that Ted Gagan hasn't repeated himself, and that he seems interested in making different kinds of. I won't say just horror movies because Mohawk isn't really a horror movie, but. Uh, different kinds of movies and this is a very different kind of horror movie than something like we're still here um it's essentially you know is it four people five people four people right in a room well it's fine yes because Larry. Is it five? oh yeah. yes sorry yes okay yes <laughs> um it's five people in a room basically and they were friends <laughs> who all fought in the war and it's just kind of this chamber drama um, that has a couple of surprises that I wasn't anticipating. I like, obviously, all the performances I think are great. I think I'm very burned out on the idea of horror as a metaphor for personal trauma. I get how it works as a metaphor. I think we've seen some movies that do it really effectively. I just think it's become such a trend in horror now, especially in indie horror that um, I'm building up a little bit of a resistance to it. And I don't mean to, this is just me being honest about my feelings. And I think Brooklyn 45 does it in a way that's much more interesting to me because it's about almost the shared trauma of having fought in the war together and what these people had to do to get through that experience um, and how that haunts them. Uh, if you're going into it expecting a balls-out horror movie like something like Evil Dead Rise, you are going to be disappointed because it's much slower, it's much talkier, it's much kind of headier than something like Evil Dead Rise, which is much more about just like visceral thrills. Oh my gosh, I can't believe what they're doing on screen. And Brooklyn 45, you know, could almost be a stage play minus a few special effects. And that's what I love about it. I love that it is very different than, like I said, with my last movie, Where the Devil Roams, it's so different than everything else that's kind of out in the marketplace right now. And I really admire and appreciate that Ted Gagan is like taking a chance and saying like, no, there's room for this too. No, totally. And the thing is, like, you just two things that will always get me invested in a movie is whether it's quote unquote a talkie, love talkies, or if it could easily translate into a live theatrical production. Yeah. Like, to me, that's, you know, those are two of like my biggest sort of cinematic catnips out there. Yeah. And this does that. And so, yeah, I was, I really, really dug it. Um, yeah. I, again, it's one of those I wish I'd wa- rewatched more recently sure because perhaps but it was on my honorable mentions as well nice yeah um this brings us to your number six. Oh, my number six unfortunately is mired in controversy now post-release <laughs> uh-oh oh but uh my number six is eli roth's thanksgiving oh uh okay so i do know what your number one is this is higher on my list. Do you? So we'll, we'll have to talk about. It. Yeah, I think okay. I do. Well, I we, think I do. 
I, I don't know I, that you do. Okay, maybe I don't. But I thought there was a chance that it was this. Uh, so yeah. the fact that this is at your six tells me that I think I know what your one is. But again, it doesn't matter. I'm just guessing. Uh, it's right. a fun we game to, I'm we... playing for myself. No, no, it's totally cool. Because I'm trying to think about, I think I know what your number one is. So I'm, I'm excited I'm to see. I'm sure you do. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, we can talk about it when we get to your when okay. we get to your of it. Yeah. So honestly, like to me, this probably would have been my number two had I not really gone through and thought about like how different movies impacted me this year. Yeah. Um, or certain as- aspects of craftsmanship. Um, but yeah, it's it's absolutely a movie I'm going to rewatch every year. It sucks. Unfortunately, the studio that's involved with it is. I don't even want to get into that, but it right. sucks. Yeah. Um, for so many different reasons. Yeah. Um, and but otherwise, I had so much freaking fun, and I'm excited to talk about it more with you when it uh, makes an appearance on yours. Yeah. We'll All leave right. it at that. All right. All right. Uh, my six is a movie I saw very early in the year and was afraid that I would forget. Uh, but it's the best, I think, pandemic horror movie that's been made thus far. And it is John Hyam's Sick. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, I saw that at Fantastic Fest last, yeah. uh, in 2022. Okay. Um, 90% of that movie worked like gangbusters on me. And then there was like 10% that just kind of kept me at bay. Yeah. Um, but I want to like, cause I think we actually texted about it after you saw it. I think so. Yeah. I just, I, I hadn't seen really, I, I hesitate to call it a slasher movie because it is a slasher movie, but it has a low body count. Um, yeah, it's more like a home invasion, I think. Yeah, it, it, but then it becomes almost comedy. Uh, it's a weird mix of tones, but I think it's so well directed that it reminds me of Wes Craven's original Scream. To see material, which makes sense because this is co-written by Kevin Williamson, um, to see material that's like decent, elevated through like pure filmmaking technique is really exciting to me. And I think, you know, I've been a fan of John Hyams for a number of years, mostly thanks to his direct to video action movies. Um, I liked alone a couple years ago. I really liked alone a lot. Yeah. Alone's good. Um, but I think sick is really good too. Sick, you know, essentially is a a pair of friends who are going to quarantine in the early days of COVID. And they go to a remote cabin and then people show up that they aren't expecting, basically. Um, Yeah. I was, for like 75% of it, I kind of was like, so why does this even need to be a pandemic movie? Like, are we just using that as a setting? And honestly, some of it was like hard to watch when they're like wiping down groceries and stuff. It like triggers a certain pandemic PTSD in me not to overuse a couple phrases, but like we lived through that just a couple years ago. It was miserable to see it in a movie that's supposed to be kind of fun was like, oh, shit, I don't know if I'm ready for this. Uh, and then I will say in the last act, 
the reason for it being set during the pandemic kind of crystallizes in a way that I found pretty interesting. It may have left you colder than me, but um, new characters show up and things start to become clear. And I was like, oh, okay, it's actually going to pay off certain things that it has set up in a way that was really rewarding to me. But honestly, um, I really like the lead performance by Gideon Adlin. And I just think it's so well directed. I think John Hyams like shoots the shit out of it. And that's why it's my six. Gotcha. Yeah. I, there's, there's a lot that I really, really liked about it. I think the crystallization was missing for me, but I will say, I, you know, as somebody who's probably watched way too much TV in the nineties, I was excited for Jane Adams to show up <laughs> sure. um, just because I loved her and freaking Frasier so much um because she was on for like that half season or almost a whole season maybe um yeah like it's there's I, I think that 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 first like 40 minutes of that movie is super solid I think maybe the triggering things of it were just things I wasn't ready to reconcile with myself sure um so kind of like was like oh okay hold on <laughs> I was like this is too much too much and also like sitting at watching it at a festival where like the previous year at the festival, we were all like in like, like different, like in like seats away from people. Right. And, wear right. Masks. Yeah. and then like 2022, we're just in full bloom. And then of course this past year, 2023, which I didn't go to, but COVID went crazy at fantastic fest last yeah. year. Um, so I'm just like, uh, it's gotten a little too close to home, definitely. Uh, but there's a, there, there's definitely a lot to really like. And I love Gideon. Um, you know, everybody kind of wants to like poop on, um, the craft sequel, requel, whatever the heck you want to call it. Oh, um, I never I saw she's that. One, she's one of the best parts of it. I really okay. like her in that movie a lot too. So she's, I, 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 I will watch her in anything. So it was cool to kind of see her pushed in new ways in this. Yeah, definitely. Sick. Uh, if you haven't seen it and you're interested, Sick, I believe is still streaming on Peacock. It does not have a physical release. Am I right about that? I don't believe it does. Oh, there is a DVD. I take that back. No Blu-ray, but oh, there is, is there? a DVD. Yeah. Oh, okay. So that's a weird choice, but whatever. <laughs> if there was a Blu-ray, yeah, I would know. buy it, but I'm not going to buy a fucking DVD. Who buys DVDs? <laughs> I don't know. Sorry, DVD people. I apologize. Yeah, no, it's totally, if that's all you can get, that's all you can get. And maybe one of these days I'll break down and get it if I find it for super cheap, but uh, disappointing that there's no Blu-ray. Yeah, I agree. All right. Top five, baby. Oh boy. We are in it now. Yeah, we are. All right. Uh, so my number five uh, is from Demian Rugnot, which is When Evil Lurks. So this was the movie that I was referencing earlier that everyone has been loving, but kind of left me cold. Gotcha. Okay. I, I admire I, I, its willingness to f go for it. Uh, and I wanted to absolutely love it. And I kind of was just like, that was good. I I like the bleakness of it. I like yeah. There is a part where I was watching it. And I literally yelled, oh, shit. And Brian came out of the office and he was like, I've never heard you react like that to a movie. There's like uh, five of those moments in with lyrics. <laughs> but there was the, the dog moment. I figured, yeah. Was the one where I was like, oh, shit. Um, <laughs> which I actually have an oh, shit for Scream 6 also, which was great. Um, but 
I, I really, for me, I felt like this would play so well. Like you set the tone for this movie by watching safe Haven from VHS too. Oh, I like that. Because there's some sort of parallels, not in a way that this feels like it's aping anything from safe Haven. Um, but there's such great parallels to it. And I just, I'm so over exorcism movies yes, or possession movies. Um, Unless there's this, like a believer in them, in which case I'm on board. I'm, I'm holding up for the deceiver myself. <laughs> so, you know. And what's the third one? Exorcist retriever about a possessed dog. Ooh, I see. I would watch that, but that's just Cujo, <laughs> isn't it? Oh yeah. Um, right. Kind of. Um, yeah. So like, I just, I, I, I like terrified. Like I knew I was going to enjoy this, but it really did some shit that I was like, Oh, cool. We're, we're not going to shy away from, from the horrendousness of what's unfolding. And I liked the idea of possession is almost like this disease that if you don't deal with it properly, yeah. it's contagious yeah. in ways again, that we just haven't seen before. Um, and I just like that it doesn't it it doesn't wrap up in a neat and tidy little bow. Like that final shot sat with me sure. um for a while. Um and I really, really dug it. So yeah, so that made my number five. Nice. I definitely need to rewatch it because maybe it was just a a mood I was in or whatever, because I, I truly wanted to love this movie because I had heard it talked up so much. And then I watched it and I was like yeah okay you know again i appreciate it it's doing things that other horror movies are not doing (laughs) and it deserves credit and respect for that um because as much as i was like evil dead rise you know uh really goes for it like that's nothing in comparison to what when evil looks does so yeah uh, it deserves credit for that Uh, my five we already talked about for the most part it is birth rebirth uh, nice. As you said, a maternal Frankenstein movie, which is a great way of phrasing it. Um, better characters and relationships than most mainstream movies this year, I would say. Great performances, really interesting developments. Could be, you know, one of the uh, few horror movies I saw this year that really could inspire discussion in terms of like well would you you know that kind of a thing um so it's got a really interesting dilemma at its center uh yeah i just think it's so good yeah it was it's it's phenomenal watch it guys if you haven't yeah uh which brings us to your number four all right i'm wondering i'm thinking this will probably be on your list maybe okay. around the same t- i'm curious if this might be our one and only matchup we'll okay. see uh but my number four is another movie out of Sun- uh, sundance that really stuck with me um and it is talk to me oh, we from did the it brothers we, we did, did it. it we matched, we matched. <laughs> um how great is talk to me talk to me is so good that i expected to resist talk to me a little bit like because it had been you're like it can't be that good right exactly and and uh, you know i was an earlier adopter because i came to talk to me a little bit late we were traveling when it opened 
Um, I didn't see it until it hit VOD. And some other movies like The Babadook or It Follows or some of these other sort of like breakout indie horror movies, I was an earlier adopter of. So I was able to see them and form an opinion before any hype had made its way to me. And Talk to Me was so hyped up that by the time I saw it, my friends, aside from you, people like Adam or JB were like, yeah, no, it's not good. So I was like, oh, I don't know what to think of Talk to Me. And then I saw it and was just completely knocked out by it. I thought, what an original, exciting, uh, really smart horror movie that like just the idea of like oh yeah we turned horror into a fucking party game i was like i've never seen that that's amazing yeah and i also think too it's like it's kind of what i wish it follows would have been and i know we're gonna get a follow sequel hooray um (laughs) but it comes up with this concept that we really haven't seen yeah uh, which again, credit to to Danny and Michael for coming up with something new. Yeah. Um, in a very well worn subgenre of of horror movies and horror stories, um, and presenting in a way that's like accessible, that feels like timely for younger folks, timeless for us older folks, I think. Um, and just doing some really cool and relentless shit with it. Um, and I, like, I just. I remember watching like the first like five minutes of this movie and I was like, oh my God, like, wait, these are YouTube guys. Like what the hell is going on here? Like, this yeah. is incredible. Yeah. Um, And I just, it just really fully forms its concept in ways that like, I just wish, I wish we had just a hint more from it follows. And maybe that would have helped me connect to that. Sure. Um, because it follows just kind of was like, there's this thing and it's going to come get you and good luck where this is like, these are the rules. Right. This is what you have to do. But guess what? The rules don't even matter because you're in trouble. And this is, this is, this is your life now. Yeah. Um. So that's why that worked for me. And like that ending, you know, not giving anything away, but I was just like, I knew it was coming and it still is a gut punch. Yeah, for sure. You know, uh, it's a phenomenally made movie. It's, it's so cool to see so many people reacting the way that they've reacted to it last year. Um, I'm excited that they're doing a sequel. Um, yeah, I was a really big fan. I'm, I felt so bummed out, though, because like, we watched it at home. And sometimes, like, Brian will have issues with, like, different dialects. Yeah. So it was kind of hard for him to get through the Australian accent sometimes. Sure. Um but thankfully, I work with a lot of different languages and stuff. So I'm like, okay, I it just it takes <laughs> it takes a little bit of concentration. You have to pay attention, basically. Yeah. And talk to me. This isn't a casual watch because you will miss stuff. Yeah, um, for sure. And I I just love that the dog is okay. <laughs> like <laughs> this literally the scene when they're good about to do the shit and like they put the dog outside. I was like, okay, thank you. <laughs> thank I, you for it, thinking of that. It's a horror movie that made me feel a little bit old, but not in a bad way. You know, um, like, you know, the kids are going to be all right, right? Like, you know, they're going to get some good shit to keep growing up on. Yes. And also like that the kids in the movie, I'm watching them and I'm like, well, I would never do this, but I get that they are like, it makes sense to me that this is a movie about young people and for young people. 
and you watch it and you're like, oh, these guys are kind of like the future. Like this is where horror is going to go. And that's exciting because it's good. As you said, they're, they're going to have good shit. Um, yeah. And also, I mean, like our people our age aren't going to go do this kind of crazy, crazy stuff for like clout on social media, but like a bunch of high school kids totally would. Exactly. You know, so that makes total sense. Yeah. Like, am I going to go possess myself to like, right. Go I would never, I would never do that. But I get, TikTok? Hell no. right. I get that they would, you know, <laughs> so <laughs> it totally makes sense. Nice. And I like that. It kind of opens things up too. Like, I'm really excited to see more from this world. I really am. I am. And I'm not like, I obviously will totally see a sequel, but I just, I long for a time when that's not our first reaction to a success. You know what I mean? Well, I think that the, but I think the ending really sets it up. Do you know what I mean? It does. Yeah, absolutely. It's not just the story within this community in Australia. Right. It's kind of everywhere. Yeah. yeah. Um, For me, it kind of like, I'm really hoping it's a scenario of kind of like a 28 days later and 28 weeks later. Yes. You know what I mean? Where it kind of opens things up a little bit. So we'll see. Having no idea what it's going to be, I should not be discouraged. I should just wait and see, you know? That is that is right. You yes. Should, you should just wait and see, Patrick. I should, <laughs> and I will. Your 2024 resolution. Just wait and see. <laughs> uh, all right, we're up to your number three. Oh, boy. Wow. I This is this is an anomaly, folks, that this isn't higher for me. Oh, I think I know what it is. Yeah, my number three is Scream 6. Hey, now. Not Scream 7, as I said. Not Scream 7, but Scream 6. Yeah. Um, It's one of those movies, like, in retrospect, the reveal sucks. And we talked <laughs> about it. And I won't talk about it specifically, but there's no way. I will say very generally, in the off chance that there's one person out there who hasn't watched Scream 6 yet, because I don't want to spoil anything for you, but there's no way that the entity or entities behind the killings in Scream 6 would not would be able to do what they've done based on the context of the story. Can I say um, something that you're not going to like? Yeah. The reveal almost always sucks in Scream movies. Mm, uh, no, I don't, I don't agree. <laughs> Um, I think it was one is a good reveal. Two is half a good reveal. Two is two good reveals. No, you it's take that back. one. Fuck Mickey. Oh, you don't, you do. You, we do not disparage <laughs> Timothy Oliphant. That's I love sure. Timothy Oliphant, but like. He's... No, it makes perfect sense though for uh, back then. Uh, uh, I like, anyway, I, I love Roman justice for Roman. He was as, as, uh, what's Roman. her you just shut your mouth. <laughs> you, just, you just shut your whore mouth, Patrick. <laughs> but I love how Kirby was like, oh, he was the only solo killer. So ambitious. My favorite part of that movie, I clapped. Um, yeah, I love four. Um, five is okay. I think the the the, the not main killer, yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't quite work as well as the main no, killer. because it's Mickey again. Yeah, yeah. It's well, just like, anyway. what random character do we have laying around? Okay, this one. Yeah, but like this one to me, when I saw it initially, I was like, okay, whatever. Um, in retrospect, based on the fact that like 
we've set it up within the thing, and this is not a spoiler, but that Gail has written a book about what has happened in Scream 5. There's no freaking way to, like, have the facts of that movie (laughs) that tie into Scream 6, and yet, I don't know. It was just, like, in retrospect, I was like, that was not great. But everything about those set pieces is really phenomenal. So I can't be mad at it too much. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I, I really, really love Scream 6. My favorite was when I saw it at the screening. Um, I was sitting next to these two normies, um, mm. obviously normies, because the whole time they were just making jokes about having to sit through a Scream movie. So that's the bullshit that critics, that like us genre critics have to listen to at screenings, um, which is not shit I'm going to miss. But they're like, oh, I can't believe we're sitting here for a six Scream movie. And I was like, in my back of my head, I'm like, bitch, go home. Um, <laughs> you don't want to be here. Nobody's forcing you. Oh, you know. Somebody else could probably write your review, whatever. Um, but I will say that I loved the opening because I legitimately out loud, and I know people heard me because heads turned, I went, oh, shit, um, in that opening scene when yeah. there is sort of that reveal because that's never been done in a screen movie before. And I was like, this is different. Yeah. This is, some, we're, we're, we're going to do something different. Yeah. And for the most part, we do. Um, but yeah, I just, I, there's, I think it's the finale for me that kept it from being my one or two, Sure, but I love it. I'm really sad about how things have unfolded with it in yeah. terms of where the future of this franchise is, Yeah, because it feels like the stupidest shit ever. Um, I think Melissa Barrera and Jenna Ortega really brought a lot to this, this series. I also think, I love that we sort of developed the core four i fell in love with them in this movie yep. hardcore hardcore four um <laughs> maybe that's maybe that's a different movie i would um, see that movie <laughs> when we all <laughs> um but you know i it's if this is the last scream we get for a while like there could be worse ways to go out so yeah. don't you dare say scream three no, because no, I will. No. I will get I, on a plane right now, Patrick. I, I listen, will do it as much as I want for you to come visit. It's not like this. Not like this. <laughs> um, I, so I had it at ten, uh, because of some of the reasons that you outlined. You know, just like it doesn't always make a ton of sense, and the the resolution is kind of wonky. But I just like being in a scream movie. I like these movies for the most part. Uh, I really yeah. like these characters, this core four. I was, I will admit, um, I liked scream five, but I was a little bit shaky on Melissa Barrera. And I don't know that it was the performance so much as like, they didn't seem to totally know what to do with this idea of Billy exactly Wilson's daughter. And yeah. I really think this is the movie where she came into her own in such a big way that she was my big takeaway in this movie was like how much I loved Melissa Barrera. And I, I mean, I love all the core four, but I was like so in on her and the fact that they could make a movie, you know, without many of the original cast, obviously Gail comes back and shouldn't. That's another thing that might be wrong with this movie is that, they should have just left the legacy cast out of it. Um, yeah, it feels it feels forced. It does, and the, but the fact that they can make a movie without the legacy cast, and you're just like, I don't totally miss them because I really love these new people. 
is a huge testament to these actors and the way that they've been written. Um, so it's a it's a it's a win, you know. And if we don't get to see more from them, that's a bummer. But it's a bigger bummer. Uh, the 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 rationale behind what happened is a bigger bummer. Like, I'm not going to cry that I don't get more scream movies given. I am. Well, I, <laughs> <laughs> I will always cry about no, more scream movies, but like but... what happened behind the scenes is so much bigger. No, that, totally. like not yeah. getting more scream movies is like 10 on my list of complaints. That's the selfish fan in me. Sure. Complaining. Sure, sure. I but get the, it. the reality is, is that, yeah, it's the, the situation itself is so much more important yes. than a screen movie. And we've got six movies to watch, not seven, Patrick, six. <laughs> Damn um, it. In the, in the interim. VI and, is six. VI is six. Got it. Okay. It is. Yeah. And I mean, also, too, I think Melissa Barrera is about to have a horror movie that's premiering at Sundance, which I'm sadly going to be missing. And I'm so upset about that, um, that I'm really excited about. So, you know, I just see good things for her. I will see anything she does ever. Yeah. And obviously Jenna Ortega is like sort of horrors. It girl these days. Yeah. She's doing, she's doing, yeah. You know, so like it sucks. Um, you know, for those involved with it, like, is it just, it's just been a shit show. Yeah. Um, but you know, when studios show their asses, this right. this is the kind of thing that's gonna happen. Right. So, you know, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. It's like if taking this stand means I don't get any more screen movies, I will be bummed about it. But guess what? I'm cool because no, you don't deserve that. Right. You guys don't I, get I, you know, I, I don't get to deserve the, the stand. Sandbox. Right, exactly. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, all so right, what, that was what's your, your number three? three. My number three is Cobweb. <laughs> oh, I still haven't seen Cobweb. Uh, Talk it up for it. me, Patrick, because I uh, really want to see it. It's it was so on good. my list of things to watch this weekend, and I'm so pissed I didn't get to it. It uh, it came out, I want to say, Barbenheimer weekend, and just got buried to the point where, like, by week two, possibly by the end of week one. It was showing at one theater by me at 1030 at night. And that was it. Uh, Thankfully, it became available on VOD to rent, not even like a $20 rental or purchase. It was like you could rent it for five or six bucks pretty soon thereafter. And so we watched it and I just fell in love with it. It's it's uh, it's a great Halloween horror movie. It's set at Halloween. Lots of pumpkins on the front lawn, kids in costumes um, lots of creepy shadows, voices in the wall. It's just about a kid who's kind of like afraid of his parents. His parents are played by Anthony Starr from The Boys and Lizzie Kaplan. And nice. uh, Cleopatra Coleman plays his teacher who's sort of concerned about what might be going on at home. Uh, just lots of creepy stuff, a payoff that you don't see coming that kind of goes for broke. Uh, insanely well directed, great kind of ghost story vibes. Um, just so it's not, you know, the way that like 
some of the other movies that we're talking about are kind of about something larger. Cobweb isn't. Cobweb is mostly about technique and skill and how can you be scary. But we showed it. Uh, we do like a scary movie night around Halloween every year. And we this year, this is the movie that I showed. I traumatized Rosie because she was so scared by the movie. Uh, but it played like gangbusters. I think it's a, a really special horror movie that I hope people will be discovering on like future Halloweens, you know, um, I don't know. There is a Blu-ray, but there's no, like, it's not attached to like a a brand like Scream Factory or Vinegar Syndrome or something like that. So I don't know how people necessarily are going to discover it. It is currently streaming on Hulu. I do encourage everyone who has Hulu to watch it because I think it's a really, really terrific horror movie. Awesome. Yeah, it's definitely one that I I added it to my list on Hulu. I just didn't get to it. And I feel bad about it because I know it's probably extremely, quote unquote, my shit. Yeah. Um, But I will definitely be watching it uh, at some point soon because I really haven't wanted to catch up with it. I was so so bummed that it kind of got lost in its release. But also I don't, I'm not of the theory that like everybody was like, well, why didn't you just release it at Halloween? Like, do you know how many horror movies get released in October? Like, also, I'm okay with the, horror during the summer because that's what I was watching horror movies as was, a kid. Like, it, it was never going to be a big hit. Like, it got buried and kind of unceremoniously dumped. But I do not think that Cobweb was going to like make talk to me money. Yeah, I don't think so either. So, but hopefully it continues to find its legs. Yeah. Um, you know, in the future and we get to see people geeking out and excited over it for a long time. I like myself it. once I catch up with it. Yes, please let me know what you think of it when you see it. Yes, totally. Um, all right, top 2. This is big time. Oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> So my number two, which probably will then lock in what you what my number one is for you. Uh my number two is Brandon Cronenberg's Infinity Pool. Oh, okay. I do know your number one. This okay. is on my honorable mentions, just because I was like, I couldn't decide if it was horror or not. Oh, it's definitely horror. All There's right. some shit. There's some <laughs> capital S H I T in this movie. <laughs> it's really um, good. I'm, I'm, bu- glad, I'm glad we're talking yeah. about it. Yeah, I'm really bummed that like people haven't been able to see the unrated version. I mean, I, I guess other than like the jizz shot, I'm not sure what else is missing. <laughs> um, but I've been kind of just holding out, waiting to, for the unrated version to hit US to rewatch it. Yeah, I know that there's the rated version on Hulu, and I'm like, no, that's not my Infinity Pool. Um, <laughs> just because I like what I, I like, Brandon Cronenberg just pushes all the right buttons for me. Yeah, um, I think what's so fascinating about his career again is this is a guy who plays with a lot of the same themes, but never makes the same movie. Yeah. Um, and which is really fascinating to me. And again, when I talk about movies that like stick with me, the final shot of Skarsgård on the beach, um, again, not a spoiler, because out of context, you're like, whatever. Um, that has stuck with me for a year because that shot for me when I saw it hit me really hard just because of kind of where I was at at that point. Yeah. And I think for me, that sort of sums up my 2023 so perfectly <laughs> um, that I I just, I loved it so much. I think Mia Goth has given us some really fantastic performances in a very, 
I don't want to say short career, but not a very long career. Yeah. Um, and I think this is her best. And this is somebody who loves Pearl, loves X, loves Cure for Wellness. Um, but she is on fire in this movie and she is terrifying. Yeah. Like when she's like screaming at him, like everything in my body tenses because like, I just, I don't want to be on the other side of that ever. Like I never want to hear my name uttered in that kind of way <laughs> by me and God, because it's terrifying. Um, but I, I just, I loved it. I love how it's sort of this lampooning of this culture of elitism. That's just all bullshit. Yeah. Like, and how, especially like, Americans when we go to these countries and we you know it's the FAFO you you fuck around you find out um and but it takes it to such extremes that are really fascinating um and I loved it I lo- and again it's one of those things where like you could there's so many ways you can tell that Brandon is David Cronenberg's son yes. yet he doesn't make movies like his dad right. at all right like you could tell that he's influenced by his dad's thoughtfulness and the way his dad treats thematic elements to his stories, but he's never cribbing from his dad's work whatsoever. And that's yeah. so cool. I've tried to think of like other filmmakers who have been able to do that, that sort of have that nepotism to him, if you want to call it that. But I think Brandon Cronenberg has definitely earned his own place in Hollywood because he really does make singular experiences that are genuinely authentic to what his vision is of our society of identity and things like that. And it's so fascinating to me. Uh, Mia Goth is on another planet in this movie. And I don't ever want them to remake natural born killers, but I was like watching Infinity But if they did, Uh, yeah, I was like, well, you could remake natural born killers. If you could get Mia Goth to play Mallory Knox. Um, She's so good. I love Brandon Cronenberg. I love what he's doing. I love what you said that like, because I feel the exact same way. You can 100% tell this is David Cronenberg's son, but you don't never, you never feel like it's imitation David Cronenberg. It's like, it's idea driven horror and science fiction, which is what his dad does. But like the ideas are different. The exploration, the execution of those ideas, it's different. Um, How exciting that like we get another full however many years of Cronenberg movies, you know, because David Cronenberg is obviously getting older. He's going to retire soon. I assume, uh, although he does have another movie coming out pretty soon. Yeah. Yeah, He's got like another movie in a few months. He's he's not slowing down, which is great, you know, because right now we have two Cronenbergs working, but just the idea that like when David Cronenberg does pass on, God forbid, like we have much like infinity pool, (laughs) another, uh, generation the, the, right yeah. we, we got another we're, we're waiting ready to go yeah yeah um, yeah it's perfect anthony king who writes for us uh is a big fan of infinity pool and swears that it's a movie about addiction uh as somebody who has dealt with his own addictive personality and i love that like i don't see that reading but i love that it's there and that he can take that away from it uh i think that's really awesome yeah, I think it's what's fascinating about Infinity Pool is like I think any reading of it is pretty spot on sure. because I think it's a movie that contextually in relation to wherever you are personally in your life, there's something about it that resonates. And I think yeah. for me, like, you know, James is a writer who feels like sort of like not good enough. Like I think for so many of us creatives, like, I mean, that's shit we struggle with like daily 
Yeah. Sometimes hourly. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. And to sort of like want to escape that a little bit or like get your ego fluffed a little bit. Like I get it, you know, I get why, why, why everything unfolds the way that it does. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know that I would make the same choices because I'm a wuss. I'm even bigger. Wuss than he is. <laughs> um, but yeah, like there's, there's so many different ways you can take this movie. Um, and it's all valid, which is again, the right. earmark of a really thought provoking, well structured story that like is so specific yet so universal um it's it's it feels really special to me yeah um all right what's your number two i think i i think i know what your number one is yeah i'm sure you do so you do know my number two by process of elimination because it was your one two three four five it was your six and that is eli roth's thanksgiving Wow. Which is way too high. And I'm sure it's like recency bias um, because I saw it, you know, a month or so ago. Um, Like you said, it's a movie that I know that I'm going to watch every year. And it was probably the most purely entertained I was in a horror movie this year. Um, It is not without flaws. I think the last act falls apart in particular the last moments of the movie i think are actively bad not just like flawed i think they're actively bad but everything cut that last two minutes and i wouldn't have missed it whatsoever it's insane to me that it made it in the <laughs> final film like that screen that feels like a Blu-ray studio deleted thing. scene like what are we doing alternate ending you know on the blu-ray and i'd be like oh thank god they cut that um but everything leading up to that is so much fun and so entertaining and so what I wanted out of a Thanksgiving slasher movie uh, that I really can't complain. I think uh, they came up walks, with a – oh, go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say, it walks a really fine line of like, okay, so with the Thanksgiving trailer, which we've all been watching since 2007 – yeah, You know, there's an expectation that is set with that trailer. And I think they were so smart about the way that they like, they took the moments that they knew fans were going to be looking for, but they brought them into the 2020s because you can't, you can't do the 2007 version of this story in 2023. You just can't because right, like, right. this would be a completely different discussion. And I think it was really smart. So like, okay, we're going to have a girl on a trampoline. Of course we are. Right. But they don't, but it's still sexy and scary, but the sleaziness of it is dialed down immensely. Um, And it's played in a way that, again, doesn't feel offensive. Where like now when you're kind of watching the trailer, you're like, ooh, that's a little much. Oh, um, I love it. Gross. I love. Yeah. I love when movies are a little much, but you know. And they just do a really good job of taking some of those earmarks from that trailer, transforming them into something that really works now, but also feels right at home in like slashers of yesteryear too. Um, And that's so difficult to pull off, which is why I'm very forgiving of the things that don't totally work, which I think is like kind of the the last 10 to 15 minutes. Um, Although, there are parts of it that I actually really like about it, but I can't, I don't want to talk about it because it's spoilerish. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but um, 
it's it just really like the set pieces are fantastic that opening sequence like i never thought we'd really get anything more chaotic in terms of like a black friday sale <laughs> or like holiday shopping than like the opening of krampus and yeah. eli roth was like hold my turkey leg and then goes <laughs> and gives us this shit um and it's just it's great like it just again it's something that feels really cool for kids these days but like speaks to my old Pete person like old horror fan tendencies too yeah yeah and you know they they nailed it they really did um if you're a slasher fan a great thanksgiving movie horror you know if you're a slasher well we already had one it was called blood rage but now we have a second one um i don't i don't love blood rage oh, i know i, I should blood rage. it's fine but like I don't know. I love Blood I need Rage. to. I know. I need to give it another whirl because I've only watched it once. It's bananas. Um, it is. It is, and I, I, I love it's bananas. Um, but yeah, I just, I, it, it's good. If I don't watch a, it every Thanksgiving though. No, yes, I, I will. Yes, I will too. Uh, if you're a slasher fan, it you can see all the movies that he's pulling from, and I don't say that in a in a negative way. It's not like. Well, it's obvious, and he's just ripping off all these other movies. Like, it's clearly a love letter to a lot of different slasher movies. And he's chosen specific aspects of those movies that work, um, whether it's, you know, a certain sequence from Happy Birthday to Me or the sort of working class vibe of My Bloody Valentine. Um, Did you get maniac vibes from the scene when she's with all the mannequin heads? Sure. Cause that's what I got. Like for yeah. me, that was the moment I fell in love where I was like, are we doing maniac right now? Cause I feel yeah. like we're doing maniac, uh, which was super cool. Yeah. It's, it's, there's a lot of really, really fun stuff in it. Again, two is probably way too high, but I just was thinking about like, no. well, this was, you know, more fun than I had probably in any horror movie this year. And for that reason alone, I'm putting it this high. No, you should. And honestly, own that shit, Patrick. Like, yeah. you had a freaking blast. I own did. It. I did there's until no the end. There's no shame in that. Yeah. Yeah, there's no shame in that. But again, <laughs> will I will I watch another Thanksgiving sequel? Yeah. Hopefully, maybe we'll get some shit worked out with that studio. But, you know, uh, in, the, in the interim, I could be excited that we potentially could have another one. I almost wish. I mean, whatever. I just, I, I didn't really need... I don't want to spoil anything and I'm not going to reveal anyone's identity, but I didn't really need it revealed. Like I almost wish John Carver was like. Just, I, a, just an entity. Yeah. I like, I like a slasher. That's a whodunit. And that was something that Eli Roth has talked about a lot that he wanted to make a slasher. That's also a whodunit kind of like the screen movies or like some of those movies from the early eighties. Um, it, it adds another layer of investment when there's kind of a mystery attached to it. So I get it. Like the screen movies, I don't love the reveal and I do think it hinders future installments, you know, because what we're going to get is either the same person, which is not super interesting to me or somebody else picking up the mask and then it just becomes scream. Yeah, no, totally. Anyway, yeah, it's yeah. I love that it's that high for you, though. Yeah. <laughs> I'm excited for the Blu-ray because I want to rewatch it. Um, yeah, me too. We are at number one, our favorite horror movies of 2023. I'm excited to hear you say what yours is because, <laughs> as you said, you have chosen Chaos this year. 
I don't I don't um, think your pick is as chaotic as you think it is, but uh maybe I'm overestimating the audience. Well, I decided to go with Skinnamarink, Patrick. Because... Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> no, okay, so I will totally admit that look, there's a very specific subset of us fans that love this series. So when the new films happen, we get really excited. And when I heard that this was announced, I was over the moon. Not that I didn't like the previous entry, but I was excited mm. for where this was going to take us. Yeah. And so my number one pick said probably nobody's surprise or maybe some surprise. Because it's like, should I put an artsy movie? Like Infinity Pool is my number one. No, kids, I'm going with Saw X. Woo! Because it is legitimately the most fun I had with a horror movie this year. Like, I was freaking over the moon. And the thing is, it's freaking good. It's really good. It is the 10th movie in a series, and it is good. Yeah. Like, it's it blows my mind that we're talking about a 10th Saw movie <laughs> when I didn't even like the original when it came out, which shows you how, how much of a 180 you can do. Yeah. Um, And here we are some 20 years later, and the 10th entry in this series is my favorite horror movie of 2023, but I loved it so much. I, so I was really fortunate over the summer to be able to host the panel for Lionsgate at Midsummer Scream for Sought X. And I didn't really, I like, I knew it was coming. I hadn't watched, like, there was no trailer or I think we debuted the trailer, or maybe we debuted the clips. I can't remember I think you exactly. Debuted the trailer. Yeah, well, also clips too, because no, we had like two or three scenes that were online. Oh, okay. After okay. That. Yeah, we we got into some stuff. The opening sequence was there and everything. Um, and so I was like, oh my god, like I get to do this. This is crazy. And like the soft movies for us, they're like I love them so much because. I don't even give a shit about the gore or the visceral nature of them. It's the st- the story and how everything weaves together. Yeah, I love all that stuff. I turn into that Charlie Day meme like immediately when it comes <laughs> to Saw. Like when Brian and I first started dating, we actually were chronologically chronologically putting together the entire Saw universe, and then Saw Six came out. And through that whole wrench in that plan. <laughs> but we, we, were, we were already like trying to put together what we called like the chronological cut of the yeah. saw. Um, and it's so fascinating to me that here we are. We can go back in, find a way into the world between Saw 1 and Saw 2 and create something that's so compelling um, that I think honestly is some of the best work we've ever seen from Tobin Bell who is phenomenal. I really love Shawnee Smith in this as, as well. And like, so when I saw it, Lionsgate actually gave us like a little screening of it at their screening room. And I was so happy that it was like just us in the room because we were geeking out so <laughs> hardcore, like, Oh my God. And I won't, I'm not going to get into specifics, but when the post credits hit scene, we jumped out of our chairs. I'm I, this sounds so cliche. I think we might've high fived and we were like, <laughs> Fuck yeah. Because like, I just was like so excited. I was like, at that moment, I was like, oh my God, we're going to get 11. We're going to get another one of these and we're going to find another way into this. Yeah. And I was like, give it to me. Give me the convoluted timelines. I don't give a shit. <laughs> I am ready. Let's go. But I'd like this. The set pieces are phenomenal. The, the, 
the way the story unfolds, putting John Kramer into this new environment that really you never know who's ahead of who in it, you know, because John's always supposed to be ahead. But there's moments in the film where you're like, I don't know if he is or he isn't. Right. Um, and it just it's so great. I just. I, I'm completely surprised. And like, I'm this is taking nothing away from Peter Goldfinger, or Josh Stolberg. I think they're strong writers. Stolberg, I believe, wrote Sorority Row remake, which I love to death. But I don't, I haven't always loved their scripts for Saw. Like, I wasn't super into Jigsaw. Yeah. Um, Spiral, I really liked. I think, I guess we're just sort of leaving that in the past now. Um, <laughs> you know, which for some fans, they're fine with. I wouldn't mind more. Um, so I wasn't, I, I don't know how they did it. I really don't. It's magic to me that here we are. 10 movies in and holy shit. It was like my favorite movie going experience of the year. Well, again, it comes back to that thing that we were kind of talking about with scream six, where it's like, as much as I like those kind of side cools like jigsaw or spiral, which I like them to varying degrees. I like jigsaw less, but, um, Tobin Bell is kind of the series and Shawnee Smith is the series. And so if you give us those characters and you do something with them, um, the movie is, you know, more than likely going to work at least for the fans. And saw X is so good that like for the first half, I was like, I don't need this to become a saw movie. I could just watch John Kramer try to cure his cancer through experimental treatments and like i'm fine with this just being a drama about a man with a with a terminal illness uh trying to you know find more time um i love the dynamic between him and shawnee smith in this movie i will admit that when i spend 30 seconds thinking about it it makes previous entries make less sense to me but i don't care about that uh, I think there's some context that we're going to see perhaps come up in 11 to kind of figure out wh- how Amanda goes from where she is in Saw 2 to where she is in Saw 3. Because there I just, are some... They're, they're like father and daughter in this movie, and I just don't see him doing what he does in 3, given who they are in Saw X. But again, it, it's not a deal breaker. But families, it, you know... families, families fight. Families they do, I know they do. I know. <laughs> you know? Uh, it and was just, it was really saddest frustration of, of, of her character. It was really, fun. that's what makes it so sad. Yeah. Sorry. It, it, I'm sorry. No. Stop, stop talking about screen three. <laughs> no. it, it was really fun to see them together again. Like just, it's weird that again, he's become the hero of the series. <laughs> like in a, in a completely unironic way, you know, we talk about how Jason or Freddie become the heroes of their own franchise. Like John Kramer is literally the hero of Saw X. This isn't like a weird anti-hero. Like we're here to see John Kramer kill people. Uh, he's quite literally the hero. Um, it's fascinating, but I'm I'm into it. Yeah, I mean, I think when Saw Six came out, I think that really. Like, I mean, obviously we're horror fans, so we always tend to gravitate towards the quote unquote what we're supposed to think are villains. But like, you know, as the opening of Scream 4 kind of points out, was he ever really the villain? Like, he's not really, he doesn't really actually kill the people. He gives them the opportunity. Yeah, he puts them in a terrible situation. And Lord knows, I don't want to extract my own bone marrow to see if I'm worthy. Oh my God, that was rough. 
Oh my god, because I'm not going to survive <laughs> whatsoever. <laughs> that was rough. oh, I oh the goo, the goo, Patrick. Oh, I saw this movie goo. at like nine thirty in the morning, and I came out, and the guy I knew oh, the guy, no. the manager of the theater. He goes, "So how was it?" I guess it's too early. <laughs> like, it's, <laughs> there's certain things you don't need to see before lunch. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, but yeah, I just I I love how they I think they realized when Saw Six came out how much people really empathized and loved John Kramer. Yeah. That I think, so you kind of lose that in some of the later movies because obviously he's gone and stuff um, or he's sort of a peripheral figure. So they were smart to really lean into that here because uh, I think it works to its favor. Yeah. Uh, so. Great pick. And I was yes. right. I'm so glad I was playing that little game with myself. And once you put Thanksgiving at six, I knew what your number one was. All right. Well, I know what your number one was. But yeah, you for you to, to, do. to say it. Um, yeah, it's it's not going to be a surprise to anybody who knows me or my uh, sort of interests or fetishes as a movie lover. <laughs> uh, it's Joe Lynch's Suitable Flesh. Uh, I'm just a huge mark for Joe Lynch, and I think this is his best movie. It's a real bummer that the movie came out when it did because it was during the writers and actors strike. And I feel like not enough people saw it. Barbara Cranston, Heather Graham, Jonathan Sheck, all these people weren't allowed to promote it. Poor Joe Lynch had to do all the press himself. Um, and I think more people would have seen it if they had been allowed to promote it. I'm glad that it's coming to Shutter. It's on Blu-ray as of yesterday, the day this comes out. Um, and it's going to be on Shutter at the end of the month, where I'm guessing more people will see it. But it's essentially the lost Stuart Gordon film, but it's not Joe Lynch doing imitation Stuart Gordon. It's him sort of taking the kind of movie that Stuart Gordon would have made, which is a movie that combines, you know, cosmic horror with weird sexuality and a sense of humor. Um, and then filtering it through Joe Lynch's sensibilities, which are very sort of Brian De Palma, um, flashy, active camera work. But then he's also doing it sort of through the aesthetics of a Lifetime movie. So like my other favorite movie of the year, which was Todd Haynes' May, December, this is a movie that's playing on a lot of different levels of aesthetics and meaning. And I love that. I think Heather Graham has her best role probably since Boogie Nights. I mean, she's great whenever she shows up in anything, but she just hasn't been given enough to do in recent years. Barbara Crampton is so great in a supporting role as like her best friend, just hitting a vape constantly throughout the movie. Um, it's very funny. It has one of the best kill sequences of any movie this year. If you've seen it, you know exactly what it is. If you haven't seen it, it involves a backup camera on a car. Uh, it's just, it's the movie that when I saw it, I knew it was immediately becoming part of my DNA. And that's, I think what yes. our favorite movies do for us. You know, it's like, Oh, this is part of me now. This is something that I'm going to revisit and reference. Um, this, belongs to me now and uh no other movie did that for me this year the same way suitable flesh did that is so awesome i cannot wait 
to watch it on Shutter. I just it came out at a time when I was like so exceedingly busy. Like yeah, just, for sure. I barely was sleeping. I was barely keeping up on anything. Um, like honestly, like I haven't even seen Godzilla minus one yet. So I feel like that would have made my list had I seen it. Um, I'm guessing this probably would have made my list had I seen it as well. Um, but I'm excited to be able to catch up with it in a few weeks. But I, I just, I knew when it was announced and who was involved and what it, and what it entailed. I was like, oh my god, this is a Patrick movie through and through. Oh, oh so for I sure. Love that it was your number one. <laughs> and this That's is amazing. why we are horror BFFs, Heather, because you exactly know that about me and you get that about me, and I so appreciate that because I don't know that everybody does. I, I I totally get it. So I knew it. But I was like, I was like, oh, I know what Patrick's number one this year is going to be. And I haven't even seen it, but I knew. I knew. I totally do. I don't want to say that it's like automatic if Joe Lynch makes a horror movie that it's going to be my number one. But like he just makes. But the it's probably going to play at least. Yeah. He just, he's on a, I'm on a similar wavelength as him, you know? And so, uh, he's into a lot of the same stuff that I'm into in terms of aesthetics and uh, just the Brian De Palma of it all. You know, of course I'm going to respond to, um, do you want to run down from 10 to one your list one more time? Yes. Uh, so 10 is the wrath of Becky. Nine is who is Sarah, the bone woman. Eight is birth rebirth. Seven is totally killer. Six is Thanksgiving. Five is When Evil Lurks. Four is Talk to Me. Three is Scream Six. Two is Infinity Pool. And number one is Saw X. Very nice. I like that we only had, we had four overlaps this year, but so we got to talk about a lot of different movies. Uh, My 10 was Scream Six. Nine, Evil Dead Rise. Eight, Where the Devil Roams. Seven, Brooklyn 45. Six is Sick. Five is Birth Rebirth. Four, talk to me. Three, cobweb. Two, Thanksgiving, and one, suitable flesh. Um, we we did it, Patrick. We did it. Did you have honorable mentions you wanted to talk about, or no? I did. I talked about a little bit about Brooklyn Forty Five. Yeah. Um, another one that I really really liked um, was the Angry Black Girl and Her Monster. I think okay. that was done phenomenally well. Um, that's another one that sort of sat sat with me throughout the year. Um, and another one, it was kind of like I wasn't sure if it was truly horror enough to put on my horror list, but it's always worth talking about. Uh, and it's the passenger. Oh, I didn't Carter see it. Smith. Is that the Kyle it's Gallner a, one? It is. It's okay. really good. I, uh, I think it's on sale. I don't know if it's still on sale, but it was on sale on voodoo to buy for $5. Okay. Not to rent to buy right. for $5. And I did it. Um, and I don't regret it. It's really good. Kyle Gallner is working on a totally different level in that movie. Um, He's so good. And has Liza Weil from Gilmore Girls. Um, you oh, mentioned nice. Heather Graham and not having good roles, but don't forget, she was really good as Molly on Scrubs as well. Bringing it back to Scrubs. Always bring it back to Scrubs. And she's that's yeah. the thing. She's always good and stuff, and she always like gets the assignment. But uh, I just don't she think She needs more assignments. She needs more assignments. Uh, the Passenger yeah. is still on sale for $5. Oh, awesome. That's good to hear. Yeah. Um, do you have any sort of honorable mentions you wanted to talk about? Mine were already on your list. Infinity Pool, Saw X. I actually have Megan on my honorable mentions just because I think it's better than 
the sort of like, well, it's PG-13 horror for tween girls. Like, I think it's better than that. Oh, yeah. I, I honest to God, I like I had a moment last week where I was like, wait, Megan, it was 2023. <laughs> it was very I early. I swear to God, I thought it was like December 2022. Yeah. It's really good, though. I really like it. Although I saw that it won like the best horror for like a critics organization that I might have used to be involved with. <laughs> I I don't know that it's that good. Yeah, that's nonsense. That's like watch more horror people. Don't <laughs> be afraid of it because like, my God. Yeah. Um, but it's good. It's really good. And I'm excited to see where that goes, too, because, you know, I know we're getting another one of those. Uh, of course we are. Yeah. Are there <laughs> any other four? Um, well, thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you, Heather, for doing the show. It's always fun to revisit the year in horror. And uh, it's another year that I think has been pretty terrific for the genre, not just the quality of movies that we're getting, but also how successful so many of them turned out to be. Uh, I'm excited for what's coming in 2024. I am too. We're like, we're going to get so spoiled. I mean, even just beyond genre stuff, like we're getting a Furiosa movie. Yeah, we are. Planet of the Apes movie. Like, oh man, I, I am so excited. I can't even tell you. Yeah. It's going to be a good year. Uh, Thank you everybody for listening. And we will talk to you next week. Bye. Thanks for listening to FS Movie.